Well, hey there, Dustin. How's it going, man? Yo, how's it going, man? I'm doing. I'm doing all right, man. I'm just chilling. How you doing? Good, good. I wanted to uh, actually get into some some Anaheim Ducks talk with you, and uh, well, I don't was, think well, it could have come. Well, well, that was quick. That was very quick. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just get right to it. Um, it's interesting because I've been thinking about the Ducks mainly because not too many other people have been, and they uh, go quite quick. They, they do. So let's let's. let's <laughs> Let's jump into the pond, if you will, and and take a swim oh, with the Anaheim shit. Ducks. <laughs> All right, man. What, what do you got? What do you got? All right, so it's kind of late Thursday night. We've been talking about trying to get another podcast in. Uh, we finally got one recorded uh, a few nights ago, and it's good to be back in the game. So for sure, you know we're gonna we're gonna keep it going with this, but. For sure. I really, really wanted to get in and start talking about the Ducks because they're a really interesting team from a lot of different aspects, and also because not a whole lot of people are talking about them right now. And it's real easy to, you know, like I've said before, like regurgitate information and talk about what everyone else is talking about because that's the main talking point, that's the theme of the day. And there's been all these signings, and there's no way that in one recording, we're going to go ahead and cover all of them. I know it, the the ducks are the ducks are an interesting uh, entry point because we haven't heard too much backlash about what they haven't done, and there hasn't been too much talk about what they have done, and it seems to all meld together. You know what I mean? Well, that might be because they haven't really done anything. So, I mean, July first, everyone goes out and spends a lot of money for a long time. And the Ducks are the only team, I believe, to to do absolutely nothing on July 1st. And so Ducks fans, probably a little irritated. I mean, you know, whatever your team might be, when July 1st hits, you're watching the ticker and you're waiting for your team to do something significant. And it didn't happen on July 1. And I think there's two ways to look at it. I think you can look at it as, hey, you know, why didn't my team go out and get that star player. Why didn't we get PK Subban? You know, why didn't we get Taylor Hall? Why why wasn't that my team? I know that was my initial thought when I saw those players move. But the other way to look at it is the Ducks didn't make a whole lot of mistakes on July 1, and I think a lot of teams did. You see these 6 and 7 year contracts at, you know, big money long term and Murray didn't get involved in that now that's not to say that he's faultless i mean we look down uh the roster on general fanager and there's definitely some blaring mistakes there ryan kessler clayton stoner you know i mean there's bad contracts on the books for sure but i guess you could say that about any team but the season was was real interesting because i myself and a lot of other people had them pegged as stanley cup contenders at least conference final but probably in the finals i had him against washington i know that's really lame and you know me and probably no dude 75 percent you, you and a lot of other people had him there yeah yeah but the thing is man they had bruce boudreaux who's a who's a highly offensive coach and they they let him go they let bruce boudreaux go mm-hmm. that's one thing it's one thing to let bruce boudreaux go 
but it's another thing. You want to fill in the blank? What did they do? You mean with Carlisle bringing him back? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. brought back Randy Carlisle. And that's crazy. That's crazy, man. Boudreaux plays an up-tempo style, which is uh, proven by his uh, track record in Washington, where they won President's Trophy after President's Trophy. But uh, the mark on Boudreaux is he can't get it done in the postseason. But the thing is, when I mean, other than 2007, when did Carlisle ever do it? He went to he went to Toronto. Nothing happened. So mm-hmm. it, it's like what we're talking about right now is not the dynamics of. Uh, of the signings of like the players because you can talk about Jared Bowl, you can talk about letting other people go or whatever the hell you have to say but what it comes down to is the coach it's the coach well and the 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 big knock on Carlisle is the possession numbers you know we're in in the age of analytics and that's great and you know it's it's easy i think that's probably an easy position to to mismanage and Dude, they were the they were the best team after the All Star break. Out of all thirty teams in the NHL, they were the best team after the All Star break. And you fucking canned Boudreaux. I that's a that, that's a travesty to me. That's well, a- Bruce Bruce is Bruce is one of the best coaches in the business, yeah. and he he was actually uh, second best as head coach in score adjusted puck possession numbers last season. And that's the big knock on Randy Carlisle and. You know, can he get into that room and more or less alter the 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 off the off ice approach? And no. can he manage those players? Well, the star players, you know, like Ryan Getzlaff, Corey Perry, uh, Ryan Kessler, at least the the big money guys. He's all he's coached all of them before. You know, Getzlaff and Perry were a part of the Cup team, and Kessler was was on his American Hockey League team, so he does have experience with them. And the question is that, you know, can he go ahead and, and get control of those guys and that trickle-down effect to the to the young kids? That's I the say, question. I say fuck that. I say no. I say no. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tall order. And, you know, the Ducks severely underachieved last year when you take the first half of their season and then combine it with a first-round exit. Granted, they played a, a really good team. Oh, come on, man. That No, they did. They did. They did play a good team. I mean, Nashville played them really well. They did so well after the All-Star break. They were the best team in the league. First in penalty kill, first in power play. First in scoring. If not first, they were close. Yeah, they, well, they got up there. They got up there. But, all right, let's let, let's start with this, okay? Because with all, with all championship uh, teams, you want to start from the net out. And so we see Frederick Anderson go. He and John Gibson really held it down through the first half of last season, and that's the only reason I think the Ducks had a chance to come back was the play of Gibson and Anderson. They were both super solid, number one level goalies. I won't say elite level goalies, but definite starters. They kept the Ducks in it in terms of points, and then the rest of the team decided to start playing halfway through. So Anderson's gone to Toronto. Gibson's the number one guy. Yep. The one thing, if nothing else, if nothing else, the one so, thing I wanted to see the Ducks do on July 1 was get a backup goaltender. And they've missed out on some key players like, you know, James Reimer, for example, going to Florida. Before July 1st, they had Anton Hudobin. And I was kind of under the impression that they would they would keep him. Yeah, it, it wouldn't have been a bad choice. Certainly better than Brzezgalov. What this really comes down to is this is Gibson's time, man. He's going to have to play 70 fucking games. You know what I mean? Like, 
Well, this is this is an interesting season. It's it's you have to look at it almost like an Olympic year. There's going to be a lot of back to backs this season compared to last season. Uh, a lot more back to backs. So backup goaltending is is extremely important in the coming season, and Gibson hasn't had to shoulder that weight. Now, I I think we all what's his career games played under a hundred. It's, it's under a hundred. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we know we know the level of play that, that Gibson is capable of. No, he's he's a great he's a great goalie. He's a great goalie. But yeah, I, he's but he's I'm a future he's a future elite at this point. But what we don't want to see is too much load placed on Gibson and then him buckle and then we're back to you know, even last season when the ducks were strong, Gibson needed that that backboard and Frederick Anderson was that backboard. It was great. No, he was great. He was great. Uh, they they both complemented each other. In my opinion, that was one of the best, if not the best, tandems in the league. You know, when you look at Jake Allen and Brian Elliott, Hell yeah. Gibson and Anderson was was right up there. So um, that's an interesting point. Now they've let a lot of these guys go and and not sign them. Uh, the best goalie on the market by far is Jonas Enroth. So I think Enroth would be a real smooth signing by the Ducks, but Murray can't let that guy go because once Enroth is gone, I think at that point, you know, you're left with Chad Johnson. I mean, you, you, you have to look – at that point, you have to start looking at trades. Uh, he was 7-5-1, and one, didn't play a lot of games, but he had a 9-2-2 save percentage last year, and Enroth, I think, could be real solid. So, so who's their backup? Who's the backup now? Yeah. Dustin Tokarski. That's that's first on the pecking order to to back up John Gibson, and so that's not I mean, great. For a, no, it's not great for a guy that hasn't had a whole ton of NHL experience as a starter. In John Gibson, you know Tokarski is a number two on a team that that should be contending. They're definitely going to have to fill that hole. The the Ducks definitely need to to solidify that that number two spot, and I think they will. Yeah. Um, but yeah. if they if they're not able to sign Enroth then they're going to have to do it through trade, and then they're going to lose an asset. So it's kind of silly to me. Uh, but speaking of, of holes to fill, <laughs> uh, the the left wing position, and dude, how frustrated is Bob Murray at the Hall trade? Like how frustrated is, is Murray at the Hall trade? Because the Ducks have been shopping Cam Fowler this whole time. Now mm-hmm. l- let me ask you. I know I stopped you. I know I, I know I gave you. I, I know I gave you the bricks. But let me ask you an A or B situation. If you are Edmonton and you're getting rid of Taylor Hall, would you rather get Cam Fowler or would you rather get Adam Larson? Just I just want an A or B answer. Would you rather get Cam Flo- Cam Fowler or Adam Larson? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Fowler's got more experience in Fowler's ceiling. I mean, well, in terms of what we've seen from him on ice, you know, Cam Fowler's the obvious answer. That's what but I Cam want. Fowler's, but Cam Fowler's only locked up for the next two seasons, Definitely. and Cam Fowler is a top pairing defenseman. Whereas, you know, we just talked about this a couple of days ago. Adam Larson, looking at his, looking at his. Uh, his quality of competition and the minutes that he played is is a top pairing defenseman. And Cam Fowler is not an elite level number one defenseman. Now we all thought he was going to be when he was drafted. And I love me some Cam Fowler. Don't get me wrong. I love the way that man plays. So, but, so are you saying that you'd rather have Adam Larson? 
Eh, locked up at the number that Larson is for the term, I I might. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm asking you player for player. Like, throw the term out the window. Based on the player. Based on the player, the talent. Not upside, not term. Who would you rather have for Taylor Hall? If you're Edmonton, what player would you rather have? For me, it's pretty close, but I guess if you're going to sell it to your organization, then then Fowler's the one. Is an easier sale than yeah. than yeah. Uh, it's, it's Ken than Fowler. Larson. Right, right. So yeah, and you know Fowler is Fowler's something I definitely plan on getting to, and that's uh, our our discussion before was that the Devils were giving up their defense, and they don't have any defense, and they don't have any left wings to give to Edmonton, mm-hmm. but with the Ducks. They have defensemen. They have defense depth. They've got... Yeah, Anaheim's grossly rich on the blue line. Anaheim's grossly rich on the blue line. Like, they could make that trade, and they could still have the defense. The problem with New Jersey is they gave away one of their best defensemen, and they don't have anybody to replace them with. Although, if there is one strength in New Jersey, it probably is the blue line, you know, as far as young players coming up. Yeah. Um, but hey, you know, great for Ray Shiro. And by the way, in our last podcast, I did say that uh, Ray Shiro signed Adam Larson, and I never did look it up. But when I listened to it going back, I'm not sure that Shiro made that that deal. It may have been Lou. I, I but think, either I think, way, I think it was Lamorello that made that deal. Yeah, it probably was. So the Ducks. I mean, that left wing spot. It would have been wise to to. To fill it, Hall would have been nice, but Hall would have been nice for anybody. You know, let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'm glad that they didn't go out and they didn't make a mistake like a Lucic or a Backes type signing and, you know, get somebody for seven years on, with you know, pay them too much money and bring them into their, you know, late 30s, early 40s. So I don't think they, they really dropped the ball in, the, in that aspect. Uh, the only left winger that they signed, in fact, one of the few signings that they made was uh, Mason Raymond. Right now, and I don't expect much. They signed him to a two-way deal. Yeah, it's six hundred seventy-five k. I mean, it's I don't expect too much from that. Based on his performance recently, he's going to be in the AHL. But the one added added bonus of that Mason Raymond signing is he's fast. He's one of the, even if he's in the AHL, he's still one of the fastest skaters. He's in the top ten percentile of fastest skaters in the NHL. He's a fast skater. And that's where the the game's going. So maybe they find a role for him later down the line or something. Yeah, that'd be great because right now Anaheim is is short on on forwards. They don't have enough. Short on I mean, speed. Obviously, short on speed. Uh, yeah, obviously they've got some some younger players that they can come in and plug some holes. But you know that, that's that's the problem in Anaheim. That and the backup goaltending. But um, I do kind of like. The discussion of Fowler, you know, like Taylor Hall is is off the table. Like that probably should have happened, but it didn't happen. When you look around the league, you know, Fowler presents himself as as a easily a top four, and in a lot of cases a, a top pairing defenseman around the league in in terms of teams that need defense. What kind of teams stand out to you that could really use a player like Cam Fowler? I'm interested, in, you know, because I think Fowler's going to move. The Red Wings could have used them. Um, not the Wild. The Wild got Dumba. The Wild got uh, Brodeen. I'm trying to think of, man, the, the, you know what the weird thing is? is You, you think about teams that have uh, 
weak or young defense, but they got good mobile defense. Like the my, out of nowhere in my head, the the next team was uh, Carolina, but I'm like, damn, Carolina's got good young defense. Like they they can skate. Like it's good. Uh, the Panthers they can skate. Um, shit, uh, maybe Arizona, even though they got some good guys that that, that can skate too. You know, Mike, Michael Stone is a is a very 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 underrated guy. We've talked about him for a long time. Um, and then they got Goligoski. Ah, uh, shit, man. I don't know. Um, Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Yeah, it's an interesting one there. Winnipeg, and 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 and, and even like because we saw the PK Subban trade, Montreal. Dude, like you and I, like on the last podcast, we gave we gave our insight on on the the trade for trade with uh, Weber, and Weber can't skate anymore. We're, I mean, not 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 that he can't skate, but Weber is not as mobile as PK Subban. PK Subban can skate, you know, and and Montreal gave that up, and uh, the only other person close is Markov, but Markov can't skate either. He's just he's just very uh, crafty with the way he skates. You know what I mean? He's crafty with the way he skates. He's very, uh, mm-hmm. he's got a lot of agility, but other than, uh, Subban and Markov in Montreal, who else do they have that can skate on defense? Nobody. Yeah. Fowler, Fowler would be a real nice addition to, to Montreal's blue line. You think about, uh, Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo's got some guys that can skate. Well, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not Buffalo. Buffalo's only got wrist aligning, you know? I mean, other than that, they got George's. They got uh, Bogosian and um, uh, Kulikov. And I know you're not a big Kulikov fan, but I think Kulikov can skate. But uh, the the two teams, I, now that I'm rationalizing it out, like uh, I think uh, the Canadians and Buffalo, those are guys that could use Fowler. Yeah, I like that. I think I think Montreal definitely is, is one of the, the leaders and, you know, as far as teams they could, could really use them right now. Buffalo's right up there too. Um they both have some tradable assets. Other than Montreal and Buffalo, do you have anybody else that you think could use them? Uh, it's it's not a homer pick, really. It's it, For me, it's Detroit, number one, because right now we've got about 16 to 18 players that actually played in the NHL last season as forwards after we signed you know, Ott and, and Vanek. Um, so, and, and Franz Nielsen, of course. So to me, it's Detroit... Anaheim needs a left winger and they need somebody that can actually bomb the puck because the low shooting percentage from Getzloff and Perry last season was a little alarming. I mean, I think it'll go back up, but uh, Timo Polkinen is a natural left winger and that guy just fires the puck nonstop. And I, I don't think that, I don't think, what yeah, Gustav Nyquist? Nyquist on the right wing would be a real good idea too for them. Um, I mean, I'm not sure, you know, he might come a little closer to one for one than than Polkinen. I don't think Polkinen gets the deal done. No, but if you package Polkinen with a Brendan Smith, who's got an expiring contract at the end of the year, it's a service serviceable defenseman that can play inside the top four if he needs to come back in the deal. For me, if I had to conjure up a deal, I could see Fowler for for a Polkinen and Smith. It gets Anaheim a serviceable defenseman and a player that has a high ceiling with a low cap hit. If they're going to look, you know, if they're not going to look at trades involving a guy like Cam Fowler, because I think he's their most tradable asset right now, then UFA's on the market, top guys in my book. I mean, Yuri Hoodler's still available. 
Uh, he plays the right side, but he could he could come in and, and play alongside Getzloff and get Perry back down next to Ricard Raquel. Um, he's always played at a high shooting percentage. I mean, Hudler shoots the puck, and he shoots the score. So, you know, he's not going to do everything, but Hudler would look real nice, and he looked real nice next to Goudreau and, and uh, Monaghan in yeah. Calgary. So that yeah. might be a good option. And then a guy that, you know, we're looking at low-cost players because Anaheim plays with a salary cap. I don't know what Alex Tangay's doing, and I don't think that's the answer in Anaheim, but I'm confident he would sign at almost nothing. He's got one of the league's top shooting percentages going back over the last handful of years. And, I mean, honestly, Tangay's a smart enough player that you could put him next to an elite-level skill guy like a Getzlaff. Well, you could. You could play him anywhere in the lineup, and that's the nice thing about him. But the real nice thing is that he comes at a, a cap hit probably around you know one or one point five at this point in his at career. At this point, I would say he should sign him around nine hundred. Hey, you saw what he did when he went to Arizona. He he went to Arizona and he was he was lighting it up. So I don't think Tangay's career is over with. And when you're talking about a team that's gunning for a cup but they don't want to spend, Tangay might be a nice option. What I now that you say that. It'd be it'd actually be pretty good for him and his career and uh, playing situation if he just stayed with Arizona. Yeah, yeah. I, we both love what Arizona's doing. So, <laughs> so yeah, like it, it, it might it might be a good it might be a good situation because he can get into the top six in Arizona, and that might be a good situation for him. I'm not sure he he wouldn't be able to get into the top six in Anaheim right now. Honestly, look at this. Look at this, man. Top line. If look you go on. Look at the last last year's pairings, you know, on a, on a production basis. You've got Getzloff between Raquel and Perry on the top line. Kessler between Cagliano and Silverberg. And then your third line is Nick Ritchie, Mason Raymond, uh, and Scarboza. And then in your fourth line, you've got Nate Thompson, who's currently on IR, next to Wagner and Bull. So that bottom six is extremely questionable at the moment. Extremely questionable. Unless you're going to move Raquel down to the second line center, get Kessler down to third. I mean, Carlisle usually sticks, keeps lines together a lot more than Bruce Boudreaux. So there's going to be some some tinkering in the early portion of the season. And it's probably going to mean that these players need to be split up, these these high-level players. But at the moment, they don't have a top nine. And you have to have a top nine to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, and they don't have it, but the, the salary cap's the problem. And Getzloff, Perry, and Kessler currently command twenty three point seven five million dollars of their cap. They're all locked up through two thousand twenty one. Uh, Kessler is is through twenty twenty two at the moment. So the the cap's the problem, and the biggest problem with the Ducks right now is the RFA's still need to be signed. So we've got Ricard Raquel and Hampus Lindholm still waiting for contracts. That's probably the number one reason why we haven't seen the Ducks do too much in terms of signings. I mean, Hampus Lindholm, man, he might be the best defenseman in California. My boy Jeff Merrick says it all the time, and and when I've got a guy that I, I really trust and lean on for for a heavy opinion, a guy that I I, I regard highly, I, I respect him, um, he might be right. I mean, Lindholm's only 22 years old, man. And he does everything. He logs the minutes, strong in possession. He generates offense. He can shut it down. I mean, Hampus Lindholm is the future 
in Anaheim. And with Claude Lemieux being his his uh, his agent, Claude Lemieux just got Frederick Anderson five by five with the Leafs. Same management. So I do wonder what Murray's going to be able to get Lindholm locked up to. And I don't know if it's going to be a shorter bridge deal or if it's going to be one of these massive six or seven year deals. But I don't it's, know it's about all key. that. It's going to be close to the Vatanen deal. Yeah, I I tend to think that Lindholm might be a little more important to the franchise long term. But, you know, him only be being 22 years old, you know, it's, it remains to be seen. I thought they got Vatanen, you know, at a pretty decent term and, and, and deal. Uh, and Ricard Raquel too, man, 23-year-old Swede, 20 goals, 43 points. I mean, he could be looking for, you know, a shade under four and on a short-term bridge. He could be looking at a shade under five on a, on a four- or five-year deal. Like, Ricard Raquel is is serious. Like, that kid is really, really good. And I, it's it's key that the, the Ducks get Raquel and Lindholm done and locked up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, the defense is the strength. Uh, BX is killing them. Four million dollar cap hit for two well, more years. The uh, the the talk was is that they were really trying to get uh, to find a deal for BX at the draft. Like they were trying to deal him. He's got a no trade. Well, that, I'm just saying that was the talk. The talk was is that they were trying to deal him. Yeah, they're gonna need to him and Clayton Stoner are just bad contracts. But they they're so rich in defense and. I mean, honestly, when you think about it, they're going to have a whole new pairing of like top-level young talents come into the roster. Uh, Simone Dupre, <clears throat> he was limited last year. That kid can do everything, man. He hits. He can log big minutes. He can he can get involved and rush the puck. And Shea uh, Tador, man, he he might be the poor man's Shane Gostisbehere next year. Like Tador looks really good. That Lovejoy trade that was that Dupre's on the Ducks, right? Yeah, it was a one for one for Lovejoy, and that that's a big favor for the Ducks. Oh, it's a great deal for the Ducks. It's a great deal, I, man. I get that. I get that the Penguins won the cup, but that was a bad trade. It was a horrible trade. Dupre's locked up at three point seven million, which you can say whatever you want about that number, but for five years, he's twenty five years old, man. He's 6'4", 220. I mean, he demolishes people, and the no, guy he, can he skate. Plays hard. He plays hard, and he, he can play the puck, too. Yeah. Now, I mean, if I think if Dupre hadn't been hurt and hadn't been slowed down, we would have been looking and in, in drawing parallels to an Adam Larson, you know, or to a Cam Fowler and saying, oh, Dupre could have been the guy to Edmonton. I mean, Simone Dupre, I don't think everyone is, is keen on his game yet. That kid can play some puck, and... And so can Shane Theodore, man. He's a really solid power play quarterback, like really big kid. Like <laughs> the Ducks are are rich in defense, and that's that's kind of what brings it all together in terms of their need to to move Fowler. I mean, Brandon Montour can play, and Josh Ma- Manson can play. They're both ready to play NHL minutes now. So I think now is the time. You know, you move Fowler and you fill the void and and get a top six winger. Yep. Yeah, I agree. But, I agree. All right, so let's slowly kind of, or quickly rather, move off of the Ducks as a whole. And we're talking about wingers and their needs and the possibilities of trades and signings. 
they did make one other addition to the roster, and that would be Jared Bowl. Yeah, they they uh, they uh, picked him up. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's at one point eight for a one year deal. That's a lot of money for that man. It's a uh, two years, two, two years, years. one point eight total. Mm-hmm. Total one way contract, one point eight total. Yeah, total? it's nine hundred k a year. So that's nine hundred k a year. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess I read that wrong. The uh, the misconception about the Western Conference is that it's physical and that there's fighting. But I don't really know how much fighting goes on. You know what I mean? And uh, based, based, I guess most of my comments are based on the way that uh, Bruce Boudreau had the Ducks playing. And Bruce Boudreau had the Ducks playing great. And you and I both had private conversations. We didn't get into, get into it too much here on this podcast. But they should be playing the way that Boudreau wants them to play. Because... Uh, you want a Western Conference team that plays hard but plays up-tempo, which Boudreaux does, and Randy Carlisle, that does not fit the mold. Um, this might seem egregious, but I kind of think that if Boudreaux was coaching, uh, Bull would have a better role than with Randy Carlisle. Randy Carlisle would just shoot him out with the fourth line and like uh, ghost shift him just to be a physical presence, but with Boudreaux, he likes to to run four lines, and you just put him out there. And that that a guy like Bull, the way he forechecks, that's effective. Like it, you know, just like uh, the the reason I like uh, Steve Ott going to Detroit. Like a lot of people are shitting on that signing. It's like, nah, man, that's good. Blashill runs four lines heavily, so to have a guy that can just forecheck whatever, that's good. And the Ducks could use that because you just spoke to that. Like, what is the, what is the I guess I'll throw it back to you. What what does their bottom six look like? Dog shit. Nothing. Yeah. No, it really is. I mean, for a team that that needs to be contending, like actually contending for a cup, the bottom six isn't impressive. You know, I'm not a I'm not an anti bowl guy, but still, I I think I might define this signing as 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 unbelievable, man. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Dude, oh, this that's... is this is a this is a team. This is a team that is majorly complacent of the available funds to sign players. They're having a tough time getting these RFAs locked up, and they will. They'll get Raquel and Lindholm on on you know term and and value accordingly. Um, but they haven't gotten a backup goalie, and they haven't pursued a top six winger. Not even top six winger. You know the Rangers went out and got Michael Grabner on a, on, a, on a, a kind of a high deal. Like Michael Grabner is the guy that the Ducks should have got. The Ducks need to get more speed because they got rid of Hagelin. Yeah. yeah. And then and then, per, and then Perron didn't stick around. Perron Perron went to St. Louis. They 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 should have made a signing or two to get some speed on their bottom six and and maybe even their top six because Perry is not known for being a fast skater. Getzlaff is a very slow skater. Jared Bull is not the. I mean, he averaged six thirty nine, you know, in time on ice last season, and he only appeared for thirty games. So, you know, Bull is is a really, really big question mark as far as a, you know the decision to sign him. And you got to think though. I mean, it's it's an interesting point because you know the Ducks don't seem really flight of foot compared to a lot of the teams in the East, and a lot of the the. Well, a lot of the star players in the, on the California teams, to be more specific, 
aren't necessarily the quickest guys anymore because they're not necessarily the youngest guys either. You know, like you look at your your headliners in San Jose, you know, Thornton and Marlowe are a step behind, you know, or or five. No, but but the but the shark but the sharks got guys that can skate. Right, yeah. And and you know, honestly in LA, like Andre Kopitar and Jeff Carter, they don't really strike me as much for their speed anymore in their in their career at this point. That that's un, that's unfair to Jeff Carter because if Jeff Carter was playing the wing, he can skate, but he's not. Yeah, he no, they they certainly the they certainly can. But the really impressive thing about the Kings to me last season, in particular, watching them in the in the postseason, was their bottom six and how fast they were. You know, and that's the difference is that the bottom six can can carry speed. And Anaheim, Anaheim's won't be able to, to keep up. So you have to wonder if you have to wonder if this is kind of a Carlisle signing, which is kind of scary if you're a Ducks fan because they're looking at more of a defensive game because that's their strength is their defense. We just talked about that. Yeah. And their size, and you have to wonder if they're just planning on trying to play a more defensive-minded game. Which and is a mistake. I don't even think Bull does that for them. You know, no, and, Bull, Bull I mean, doesn't do Bull doesn't do that at all for them. Bowles yeah. just a guy that can forecheck. He doesn't have great defen- defensive zone uh, positioning. He he can't do much with the puck. He's out there to forecheck and hit people. But when you have a defense like LA does, or you have the guys up front like San Jose does, I get that they're declining, but they do have young guys and signing a guy like Mikel Bodker. They do have speed, and not only that, uh, you got to look at goaltending. Um, San Jose has Martin Jones. Martin Jones was disgusting in the final. I swear to God, uh, we saw it in 2003 where uh, John Sebastian John uh, Jaguer got the uh, MVP even though the Ducks lost to the Devils in 2003. If the Sharks would have pushed that to a Game 7 because of Jones, he would have won the Conn Smythe. Yeah, Jones Jones was great. That, that That's the difference, though. That That's what I'm saying. That's the difference. The Ducks, I mean, John. I, I love John Gibson. I'm an American, but it's a small sample, sample size of them. And with Freddie Anderson gone, Freddie Anderson carried the mail for him, hence why Toronto gave him that uh, five that five five million year contract, which a lot of people shit on. But he's going to be great in Toronto because he works hard. No speed in the bottom six. No speed in the top six. Where do they grade out in the division? It's it's hard to know because last season, the the answer was out of the playoffs for the first half, and then the second half rolls along, and then they win the the division. So that was under Boudreaux. Yeah, and that's that's probably the biggest difference. That and the fact that Anderson's gone. Yeah, and Anderson was there, and Boudreaux was there. You take those guys out, like basically, you subtract those guys. Who did they Who did they get in to replace those guys? Nobody, nobody. So if we're sitting here having a an Anaheim Ducks centric discussion, and you you start talking about it within their their own division, it's not looking promising, man. It, it's not. Yeah, and that's that's where I circle back to the fact that they they probably do need to move Fowler, and they probably do need to get a top six winger because <clears throat> the fact that they're so thin in the bottom six it's it's a direct result of the fact that Andrew Cagliano has to play in the top six now, and Cagliano carries a lot of speed, and he he was real successful next to to Ryan Kessler and Jacob Silverberg, who are great together. The X factor is Silverberg. I was just gonna say that the X factor is Silverberg. Mm-hmm. No, he was he was fantastic down the down the stretch. If Silverberg can take the next step and be a point producer, they may be they might be okay because Silverberg is a big body that can move. He had a lot of upside because he was young, and that's why he was part of that Bobby Ryan trade. 
Silverberg has got to give them a lot more. Do you not agree? He has to give them a lot more. Yeah, I think he will, though. I mean, he had, tw- he had 20 goals last season. So, well, he, he, Kessler, and Cagliano were their best line last season in terms of point production. Those three together. So, yeah, he, he does. Um, but, you know, the, the big guys, I mean, I know Perry went over 30 goals the fifth time uh, consecutive, barring the lockout that he did so. But, you know, Getzloff was, was awful. I mean, I think it took until, uh, I think maybe he scored a goal in November, but it wasn't until like the middle of December that he got his second goal. And I think his first one was an empty netter. So, I mean, Getzlaff was was terrible offensively. So they need to, they really need to figure that out. Line combinations are big. But but what's the hope that he'll get better next year? He's getting older and balder and way balder. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, he, no, I know. I know. But he's, he's still an elite level passer. Like a Joe Thornton, but Joe Thornton was nasty i think that's a fair comparable uh gets left to thornton like they're very similar players but thornton's a way better player as far as his passing ability and, and gets has got to figure out what he is because there's been years where he scores a lot of goals there's certain players that need to step up to the plate for anaheim for them to for them to be a contender next year in that not not just in not just in the conference in that division yeah, and the success that Raquel had next to Getzloff and Perry in the second half of the year, it doesn't do a lot to deepen their roster in the top nine. You know, and that's the only no. issue is that no. you know, and that's that's why I say a top a top line left winger Taylor Hall would have been fantastic for those guys. And that's I mean, back when they had Bobby Ryan, I think we can both agree that was one of the scariest lines the NHL has ever seen. And, and that, and that was the, that was the thing because Bobby Ryan was a finisher, mm-hmm. and then you put him on any other team and he's not that great. Yeah. And playing with Perry and Getzlaff, yeah, he put up great numbers, and that's why Anaheim making that deal. They actually got they actually got good return for him. Like there, nobody argued that they got good return for him. Silverberg's a great player. Yeah, I don't want to get too heavily back into it, but you know the, the something that's come to mind the success that that. Toronto and Anaheim have fed off of one another from in terms of trades. You know, you go back to, you know, Raquel and Gibson should be Maple Leafs. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk, when, when you look at their what somebody should have picked. But yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they well, been. we we won't too heavily. But, you know, Toronto, I know I said Detroit was my number one. And I like Montreal almost even with them just because Montreal really needs a defenseman. But Toronto, you know could really use a guy like Cam Fowler as well. And um, What do you give up for him? If I'm Anaheim, I want James Van Riemsdyk real bad. <laughs> yeah, and if you're Toronto, you say fuck you. <laughs> yeah, it would it would involve based pieces on, for based sure. Based on the young... Dude, Mitch Marner can't play in the OHL next year. He can't. Mitch Marner destroyed the OHL. He can't... Mm-hmm. He, they can't send him back. They can't. And then you got Nylander, Soshnikov, Hyman... Austin Matthews, like you got to have veteran guys. I've heard this argument by Steve Dangle and other podcasts. You got and and uh, I heard like people like Dangle say they should have retained uh, PA Parento because PA 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 Parento is a great veteran winger. Like you need to have guys guys for these young kids to play with. Like you can't just throw the kids out there and say how do you do because they're going to get discouraged real quick. I.e. Edmonton. That's not a good thing to do. You want veteran guys for these guys to play with. That's why keeping a Van Riemsdyk, keeping a Kadri, keeping a Bozak. And Bozak actually had a really good year last year. 
Bozak was really good last year. Uh, yeah, you, you you need to keep those guys. You want to know why? Because you play the young kids with them, and they can learn the way. And that's what Edmonton failed to do. Edmonton fucking just threw those kids out there to play with other kids, and they got their ass whooped. And it's not it's it's not it's not fortuitous for the franchise. It's not. And the way that Lamorello, Dubis, and Shanahan and Mark Hunter are running the Leafs, they know better. They're not going to fucking deal James Van Riemsdyk. What they're trying to do is deal Lupul, but nobody fucking wants Lupul. That, that's the only guy they're trying to deal. There's an old Anaheim boy. No, no, he's he's heading to Robidoux Island if uh, Lamorella can do anything about it. Yep, that that uh, the infamous Robidoux Island. Yeah, no, I mean, here's the deal. JVR would be great, and JVR is on one of the league's best, best cap-friendly... Yeah, he's on one of the best contracts in the league. So why why would um, Toronto deal him? They wouldn't. You should. Well, I'm I'm not I'm not saying that they would, but um, what Anaheim needs the the most important thing in Murray's mind is a cap friendly player with a high ceiling. So you're looking at an ELC player, and we know the entry level contracts, you know make the world go round for these contentious teams. For and all, Toronto for all has teams, a bunch of them. Teams. Yeah. Yeah. So Toronto has a bunch of them and maybe the answer lies um within one of these many, many young players, but it, it would have to be a package deal and it would have to be pretty sweet because Cam Fowler is a pretty good defenseman. So Absolutely. you know, I mean you Sashnikov plays on the right side. I think he plays the kind of game that, that Anaheim likes in terms of their fan base and the, their current roster players. But uh, Kirby Reichel, Josh Levo, Brennan Lepsick, they all play left wing. They are, they're all on, you know, ELC deals or, you know, have a year or two remaining on them. They they might be interesting pieces going back, but it's really hard to, to find a, a good fit in fair return for Cam Fowler, even though Anaheim has defensemen to, to replace him. I mean, maybe not on a pure skill base, but they are deep in defense. I don't I don't see a deal. I don't see a deal to be made. I really don't. Yeah. I didn't see one for New Jersey to get halt, but that happened, so you never know, man. <laughs> but that but that's not commonplace. That's not commonplace. That that's that's not what goes on. 